Hey everybody, welcome to Tall, Dark, and Fictional, a podcast about romance fiction by romance writers. I'm Beatrix. And I'm Kat, and Happy New Year, everyone! We are back. (laughs) We are back with season two. And we are starting off strong with an episode with a person you all know, Jen Reads Romance, aka Jen Prokop, aka one half of the podcast, Faded Mates. Super cool. You heard that right. We couldn't believe it either. It was incredible. It's a great episode. You should all listen to us. Please just go ahead, jump right into it, and then come find us on our socials. You can find me, Beatrix, at Beatrix Strand on both IG and Twitter. And you can find me, I'm Kat, at CatWinAuthor on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can also find our podcast on Instagram at Tall Dark Fictional. That's Tall Dark Fictional with no and. And you can find us on Twitter at TDF Pod because no, we did not get the same handles. But it doesn't anyway, matter. But but honestly, come follow us and find us and enjoy this episode. Have fun. I don't know that I've ever heard you talk about this, and maybe you have, but do you write? So I don't. Okay. Shocking news. I know. I you know what's really funny? I don't and I, I say this with, like, love for all of you who do this work. But to me, writing romance would be wasted reading time. <laughs> like, look, there's plenty of romances out there. Nobody needs mine. I also, my brain does not work that way. So one of the things that was really interesting for me when I got into, like, Romance Landia was I was, like, everybody, it felt like, was, like, straddling that line of, like, I'm a writer, I'm a reader. And, I, and there are, I think, very – it feels like – I know this is not true, but it feels like at least in social media circles, there are very few people who are like, I'm just a reader. I don't have people in my head. I don't know how else to describe it. Right. I deeply admire fan fiction. I also, like, literally don't get it. I am like, oh, that's the story. It ended. I liked it or I didn't. I have never once been like – You're going to anger some people here. I don't I don't mean to. I, it, I don't have that. Like I don't have an imagination is basically what I'm saying. Maybe specifically not for this kind of thing. Right. Sure. I mean I think that's, that is true. Yeah. So, you know, like when I – and so again, I'm not like judge – I'm not saying it's – I admire it. I just don't have it. Right. Like, right? Like when a show ends and it sucked, I'm like, God, that sucked. It has never once occurred to me like to – do it better and to fix yeah. it right yeah. so i don't but i will tell you what i do have a real fucking skill sets for and it's hard because it's hard to say nice things about yourself i am a g- great editor like i can look at your book and be like here's what's going on here so i've started doing freelance editing because it feels like a way to be a part of like the creative process but in a way that's like right for me and I didn't know if I'd be good at it because different every manuscript is so different and they need different things but I feel like you know like there was one where I was like okay this chapter needs to be in front of this chapter and like literally was just like let me reorder this for you and with other people I've been like okay I need you to tweak this scene and add this like thing that happens and then everything will make sense and I I feel like I'm I have a real gift for that so that's been nice to stretch that muscle did that gift come from just your, I mean, you're an expert now at romance. So did it just like open up for you? Because you've read so much and you've analyzed so much. So it's that. And also I have been an English teacher for 20 years. Yes, I did know that too. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what I know how to do? Give people feedback on their writing. At some point I just kind of put two and two together and was like, I actually have the perfect skill set for like this particular job. And a lot of people are looking for someone to do to do that job. 
especially someone that you could trust with your work. Now, are you like um, a saves the cat kind of person? Like, are you looking for those beats or like, what are you looking for in a manuscript? I guess I would say if I use anything, if I refer to anything, it's more um, the Gwen Hayes romancing the beat. Although I've read some of those other books, the truth is I'm just so steeped in romance and a lot of it then comes from me where I'm like, this doesn't feel right. Do you broad spectrum edit like all kind of romance or are you like particular on the subgenre because obviously we all know there's so many there's so many right now it's it's interesting because I'm kind of new I've just been like taking jobs and then I think I'm Mm -hmm. gonna probably figure it out from there mostly what I've read is contemporary or historical um Mm -hmm. which I feel perfectly qualified to do I could see that easily. I had a fantasy romance and I was kind of like I'm not sure that I can do this but I think I I think I can Close to a paranormal, you know, like not so far off. Right. I would say I've had a really, like a lot of really interesting conversations with people. One thing I I worry about is I have a lot of strong personal preferences. And I think that writers are like, well, she's not going to like my book because she doesn't like this thing. But I will tell you, I have found that editing a book is a completely different part of my brain. It's like another mindset. You you go from a reader to an editor and you're like a lot more objective. Right. Like um, uh, if you were talking to a mechanic and you'd be like, oh, you must be a great driver. They'd be like, yeah. what are you? <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> Different thing. Right. And I, I yeah. feel so I feel like that's something that I am trying to figure out about myself, which is like, are there things, though, that I think then I would be a poor editor of? Mm. And that's, I think, for me to discover. I think if someone came to me with like a. Amish romance. Nobody would. <laughs> Nobody who writes Amish romance would come to me. We have a thing against Amish romance here. <laughs> it's not for me. Not for us. No. So I think that is the so. part I, because I, if I really came across a manuscript where I was like, I'm not the right person for this, I hope I would be like, be like, here's your money. Good luck. Uh, this, I can't do this work. Right. But so far, I feel like what most people are sending me are things I've been okay with. Right. And you've enjoyed it? I enjoy it a lot. It's yeah. it's really fun for me. So along with this, let's talk a little bit about your reviewing. Can I tell you my story of getting into, into writing? Again? Yes. Because it involves Please you. Please do. Oh. So my whole story with writing, I listened to your Books Who Blooded Me like series that you, you all did. No. Um, and I think you mentioned Whitney, my love, in that. Yeah. Okay, that was my book, right? So it showed up on my doorstep. My grandfather's a writer, uh, was a writer, and he—I didn't have any relationship with him. But one day, like, he just sent us this box of used books, and me as like a kid always looking for something, I like took all of them out. And the one book I found—I found two actually. One was Whitney, My Love by Judith McNaught. The other was The Robber Bride by Margaret Atwood. I was eleven; shouldn't have been reading either of those. Definitely did. (laughs) I started reading romance when I was 11 too. It's fine. That, so both books kind of changed my life, but especially Whitney, my love and that book, I never forgot, but I didn't read romance again because I was just really ashamed. Like I, you know, I come from a very shameful kind of based household. A lot of us do. And then in high school, you know, it's not respected. It wasn't at the time. Maybe it's changing. And then in college, I was an English major and we were reading fucking white man bullshit like truly mm-hmm. the worst of the worst that people consider the best of the best so I didn't revisit romance again until I got an app on my phone to like for the library 
And because I was like secretly checking them out like digitally. And I was looking for that book again. But I found Lisa Claypuss and Sarah McLean. And I was like, I remember these historicals. Wow, they've changed. And like, this is for me. (laughs) And then I found your podcast and your analysis of romance was just like so meaningful to me. And listening to, you know, you and Sarah talk really just gave me the boldness and like the fuck it allness to just be like, I'm going to start writing again. Like I've always been a writer and I just didn't think I had it in me. And now here we are. I have, you know, I have a book that's coming out in April and then I just finished another one we'll see what happens with that one it's a weird one um so yeah this is like and I like just I don't know I never thought I'd like be talking to you like after listening to you on my headphones walking around thinking thinking maybe someday I'll write a book I probably never finished that I think that's a part about and then I want to hear how Beatrix started too but I do Mm. think that's the part about like social media I think almost every romance reader has that shame story Right. I hid them under my bed. I didn't let my mom know what I was reading. You know, it was something I hid away. And I think the best part about social media has just been like, yeah, this is what I do. I I don't write. I don't hide it from anybody anymore. I mean, even my students do not know about the podcast because that would be awkward. But they do know that I review for Kirkus. Um, I am straight with them that I only review romance. if That's something I enjoy. And they're not signed. So it's not like the kids could like figure out which ones I was reviewing. But I do think it's really cool to just be like, yeah, like genre is genre fiction is great. We should all read, find the genre you love and just read it. Amazing. Honestly, paradigm shifting for me. Yeah. But yeah, Beatrix, tell your story. We have talked about this a little bit before. That's okay. We have. It's the same. It's the same thing. I was I was a kid. I predominantly read uh, fantasy. Um, that I still stick with fantasy to be fair. But I read through every shelf on the library. Yeah. <laughs> this is back when people went to libraries. I remember those you know, days. Read through, yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> in person. Yeah. With shelves and right, real right. books. And I yeah I read through everything and I was like what have I not read and I found a tiny little corner of of the teen section because i was like 13 at the time and uh, there was these teenage harlequin yes. novels right mm-hmm. they're like the introductory romance ones yes so there's there's not a lot there's really nothing on page it's like maybe a kiss right. you know and i there was 14 of them to be exact and i read all 14 in like a week and then i was like where are the rest of them? <laughs> so where did i go adult romance right yeah i just went down the second aisle and there was like just shelves and i was like i have found my place in the universe and yeah i mean i was like heavy into historical i don't know how many historical romances oh god all I of them read. right it feels yep, like all of them. them so many like i just remember checking out the maximum amount I could from the library, which was 24 books. And they were all like historical romances. And I would try to sneak them into my house and hide them under the covers and like whatever. But I still got, yeah, the same kind of shame spiral from like my siblings and whatnot that like, oh, these are dirty books. Right. You shouldn't be reading them. Right. They're garbage. Like, you know, right. They're mm-hmm. garbage. Uh, you're just reading them for one thing. Right. You know, kind of like. Which it's like, yeah. 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 <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, what's really interesting is there's like a couple of things that made me think of is one, a really a story my son used to think was hilarious was um, when I was a kid at my local library, my mom had to arrange for me to have a higher number of borrowing because 
I just was like burning through books so fast that she was like, can she take out 50 at a time? It's like VIP. People really don't change. From no, childhood. God, no, no, we are. We, we are who we are. Yes. Oh, but you know, the thing that I think it took me a really, a, like a really long time to be able to verbalize is I started reading romance when my parents got divorced and hmm. I like things were so miserable in my home. And I was like, this, it gave me hope, like literally that like people, you didn't have to end up like that. Right. But also when I think about like baby Jen, like the first movie I remember like loving and like I rewatched was the Empire Strikes Back. And I rewatched that scene with Luke. No, Han Solo and Princess Uh, Leia. I was like, what am I saying? Luke, no. (laughs) No, I was always a Han Solo girl. There. I know. Um, like when they when they kiss, I as a kid, like I love that part of the movie. I like I was so hardwired to like love romance, like love those stories of people falling in love. Yeah. From that's always who I was. Like when I think back on things I loved, I was like, oh, I I just always really liked these stories. But then as an adult, I was like, I also the thing I that keeps me coming back is. And I read all kinds of romance, but the one thing I really love is back to like old white men writing bad books or whatever, Mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. in every single romance, if there's a woman as a main character, her concerns, her fears, her inner life, her friendships, her desires have value on their Mm -hmm. own because they are important to her. And that is what I love about romance. And that's subversive. I was actually thinking about that the other day. I was like... What is it about, like, female MCs in romance? Again, I read, like, on the darker side. So there's a lot of, like, non-con, there's dub-con, there's things where people are like, oh, they're not valued. And I was like, but even in scenarios or books where the female MC is maybe not having a position of power in some ways, whoever she's paired against values her for something. It could be, like, her tenacity, Mm -hmm. her fight back, you know, whatever it is. You know, it could be her you know, just her will and her drive, you know, in those particular books that tends to be kind right. of the set. But there are these traits, these inherent traits to the female MC that are taken at just at face value as like, this is important and we're going to document. Right. This. And there's no sort of like, oh, we're just going to like dismiss you. You're unimportant for that. <laughs> I mean, they might say it for other things, but like, you know, right. you know, there's always some sort of core value yes. that's being honored in in romance for the for the female uh, MC and even even in any kind of romantic pairing like love is important the way we treat people mm-hmm. is important you know i mean and that's the thing like i that when i look back on like my parents getting divorced of course that was important to me of course it was so i think it was like the confluence a lot of like personal events and like kind of what i was going through in my life where i was like these stories make me feel good about the world and like my potential place in them. And also just the idea that like living your regular life and, you know, just like being a good person and falling in love. Like these are, these are stories worth documenting. I mean, look, I like the sexy stuff too. I'm not trying to be super high gluten. I, but I, I think at its core, like that's what romance delivers to me every single time, every time. Right. 
And that's important to me as a reader. It's the kind of story I want. I mean, like we, t- I think my husband is uh, not a big reader. He loves, he's a big TV watcher. And I, as people know, I'm not a big TV watcher. I'm a big reader. And so we've had to like work really hard to figure out how to like make that work. And part of me is like, we both love stories. That's what it is. Yeah. This is not complicated, right? I know. I, that's why I like TV because of stories. I mean, yeah. TV was like my best friend growing up. So yeah. me too. If you have bad parents, you too can raise a child like me. TV was my babysitter. Oh, yeah. I, you know, and that's the thing. I, at some point, though, I was like, look, if I want, like, people to fall in love, I could get that in a book in three hours. I could get it on a TV show in three years. (laughs) Really? That's right. So at some point, I quit because I was like, this is kind of garbage. Like, what? You're like, it's a matter of economics, truly. It is. Cost-benefit analysis. (laughs) Um, I want to ask you a little bit more about your editing if you can because a lot of our listeners are writers and obviously we are too so like do you coach writers through the hard times of the manuscripts so I it's been really interesting like figuring out what I'm good at so this is okay here's a true story one of the like services I've offered is like brainstorming or coaching right we'll get on a zoom call for an hour and we'll talk about your manuscript and the first couple times I was like, I don't know if this is helpful to people. Like, it felt so floppy to me, right? And then I talked to Kelly, who's my best friend, and I was like, I don't know if it's helpful. It just feels like it's, I'm not sure, like, what they're getting out of it. And she was like, shut up. And what she said, and it was really helpful to me. She was really, it was really helpful. She's like, when you are a creative person, brainstorming is so important but it's really hard to find someone to brainstorm with because when you just want to do it with your friends over and over again, you feel like you're taking advantage of them. Yep. So to brainstorm with someone who knows the genre as well as you do is it's worth it, right? Like you and I was kind of like, okay. And after that conversation, I felt like the, I felt better about the brainstorming calls, right? Like sort of like, this is a service that I can really provide to you where I can sit and like, listen with bated breath to like what you have going on and then kind of just ask questions or or say you know like if this is the trope you're doing I think this is part of it and like I just that's the stuff that I just know you know when I'm working with your manuscript I it's very clear like what product I'm giving you back Mm -hmm. right yep and so I had to let go of my need to provide a product Mm -hmm. from from those from those calls so that's been me having to let go of that a little bit but I think um it's interesting work for me because it's they're all those are all so different I just have to trust like look it's 125 bucks but if if it really didn't work for a person I have to hope that they would tell me and you know maybe I should need to say that if this really didn't work for you like let's figure out a way to make that worth your money but um, you know, I've thrown away a hundred bucks on dumb shit before. <laughs> Same. I was going to say, I've thrown away a lot more for a lot less. Right. But so th- that's been interesting because of all of the like work I've offered, that has been the one that I have really struggled with the most from my end. It's intangible. And I want people to feel like it's worth it. If I'm charging you money, I want you to feel like it's worth it. So Absolutely. that has been a little harder for me to kind of be like, it's okay. But it's soundboarding. I know I say it a lot, but soundboarding to me is like pivotal. Yeah. I do it with my husband because he's the only person around. It probably drives me crazy. <laughs> but it's just like, I need somebody to like talk to. And often it's just, you've said 
a really smart thing in the sense that you know the genre. So it's not like I have to inform you yeah. of, hey, here's all this, this genre context you need to know to now understand what I'm going for. You could just start talking about yes. it and know that the other person knows what you're talking right. about. Soundboarding is like the best tool, one of the best tools a writer can have because sometimes you just need to like verbally talk it out loud and like really just kind of get that input, go back and forth like a fucking tennis yeah. ball. You know, right. but it just... It, it helps kind of like with clarity, you know, maybe you still have a lot of questions left at the end, but you can, you can definitely pinpoint things. I know yeah. for me, that's what I always go to when I'm stuck on something. I'm like, I'm just going to talk this through forever until it clicks. <laughs> it's like therapy for writers. Right. It's interesting though, because I also though, like had someone email and say like, well, I have a, a manuscript. Should like we talk first? And I was like, no. Like, if you have a manuscript, like, just, it's better for me to work with that and we could talk after once you have my letter and once you have my notes, because yeah. then you have time to, like, take them in and, like, think about it. If we're talking about it before and the manuscript's done, what, I, that just feels like I'd be wasting your time. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Like, you all need to process all the information that's coming from both sides. And, right. Uh, I, my husband does not want to hear me talk about my stories anymore. I have maxed out that credit card, believe me, <laughs> with, with his with his credit, his goodwill, because we're no, neurodivergent. I have ADHD. I hyperfixate. I can write for like hours and hours and hours, mm -hmm. and it's the same thing. If I could talk about my manuscript for hours and hours and hours, so like actually having an outside person come in happy to pay them like worth the money yeah, right. is, is a priceless thing to do for a creative. And I think it is like an investment you make in, if you can, this is all like something you have to have a lot of privilege to be able to afford. Yes. Obviously. I think, yeah. And I feel like one of the things I, I have a, I think if I have a brand at all, it's that like I'm a straight shooter. I, I love, I love to hear this. It, that's a romance right there. Yeah. My brand is straight shooter. My brand is straight shooter. So at one point I was sort of like, like kind of wringing my hands about this because I was like, is it too hard? Am I being too hard? And mm. um, it was Lauren, Christina Lauren was like, Jen, yeah. listen, no one's coming to you because they think you're going to like soft sell them. True. Right. Anyone who hires you knows that you are going to be like fair but honest mm -hmm. and so I think that that is you know I and I feel like that's something I think that like the genre needs right so you know like this isn't working or whatever for whatever reason or just like reconsider this or like this might appear you know and I, I can't promise I'm going to catch everything but I definitely have flagged things where like I'm like you know watch like maybe it's gender essentialism or maybe whatever the great thing about having an editor just flag it is you can you the author get to decide what to do with it right but having right. that eye and someone who's not, i mean sometimes critique partners you know i had someone come to me and they were like i you know a, a, a litany of people had read it all and i was kind of like okay well that's nice <laughs> but you have to do x y and z you're like maybe they like <laughs> right. right but we're not done here we got stuff to do oh that is how it always right. feels i'm curious though like what's uh, in your editing, what has been yeah. sort of okay. the most common problem, I guess, that you kind of run across? So I would say timeline is like a thing I'm very keyed into and I think a, is a good editor's job. You know, just really looking at, okay, this is, it's Saturday. Now it's 
Monday, but you said it was four days later. And right, like, so sometimes it's really fine tuning it, but sometimes it's also just saying things like, okay, in your story, this person is, it's like a fantasy, right? So they're on foot because, you know, the world is a character in a fantasy, right? So we need to see it. And so they're always walking around everywhere. And I was like, can you literally get from where they were to where you were in this amount of time? I hate these right? questions so much. Yeah. I mean, and I, and I'm, and I, and it's, you know, there was like one friend I, I edited for a friend where I literally was like, okay, like I'm going to go through and just make a list of the things that are, they're at odds with each other. Mm-hmm. Like you said this, but then this, right. right? So I do think that that's. And I don't think, by the way, I don't think writers should pay attention too much to that in the process. I'm sure it would be incredibly, like, slamming on the brakes all the time. This is true. Right. You just got to write through that. You got to open the spigot and hope for it the best. I don't know who the fuck you're talking about. Beatrix I'm, is like this. This is I'm true. I'm a psychopath. We're the, we are opposite in, like, every way. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Every single thing that we do and write. I love that, though, because I bet you're, you know, but I mean, so I think that I would say is like a really big part of it. And then I would say the other thing I I've noticed is in it again, this is not like in real life, people perseverate, right? In real life, people hem and haw and go back and forth and get stuck on the same thing over and over again. But in a romance novel, when that happens, it's boring, Yes. Right? We don't want people to perseverate and be stuck. We want action. We want forward progress. And so I think the other thing I – and, you know, I'm kind of like, this isn't real life. Like, they need to stop thinking about this already. I'm done with it. Yeah. You know? So I think that that is – I would say – I would say so far the thing is, like, that I've seen more, like, globally are, like, timeline issues. But then also, like, in a romance, like, we need to see people moving forward. And we need to see them, like, moving forward together. And so if one person is, like, stuck, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm just in my feelings, there's – it very quickly becomes navel-gazing. Yep. And I will put a book down in 0.1 seconds. Oh, God. Like, my whole thing with, like – so I tend to write pretty fast-paced. Again, Beatrix and I are different because she writes fantasy. I write, like, more comedy style. (laughs) And my thought is this, and maybe this is unfair to writers, and this is – maybe this is unfair to myself, but as a reader, I think – you got to entertain me word one from beginning to end. Right. Never stop. <laughs> Nothing in between. I don't want any breaks for you to enjoy your own words. I'll guess. No, and also, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Give me the good story. I'll accept lies yeah. if you give me a good story. Right. Also, I just want to say that you use the word perseverate, and I used that in my novel that's coming out. My editor told me to do that. <gasps> it's a great word. And I did. I took it out. But we don't want people to do it. Well, I mean, sure. right. I think that I guess I would say the other thing I've been thinking about about a lot is beginnings, right? Like just mm-hmm. how you really have to like capture people and mm-hmm. one of the things I see a lot in manuscripts is like what I'll call like a false start, right? Where you're like this is fine, but it's not great. And then you keep reading and then you're like, "Oh, this is this is your real beginning right here." You know, and so sometimes I feel like I um it's hard because I don't want to necessarily put my thumb on the scales, but there are times when I'm like, okay, so you see that this is your real beginning. You have to decide what to do with the stuff ahead. Maybe it can be moved, but don't start there. Uh, I mean, you are a romance influencer. What does it feel like to be a, a, Weird. Weird. a an influencer? 
weird to have to have that Very that weird. hand on that you know right. nuclear button there. exactly that's a lot yeah. of power for one woman the first time the first time this was like pre-pandemic kelly and i went to there was kiss con in chicago mm-hmm. and at that point i think the podcast was only maybe six months old maybe that's probably when i found it okay because it was like spring of 2019 i think we started in 2018 so this would have been like four or five months later right and we were at KissCon, which is like, you know, an Avon thing with like authors. And people were like, oh, my God, you're Jen Reed's romance. And I was like, what is happening? That's going to be so weird. It it was weird. It was super weird then. I feel like now I'd kind of be like, I, I am. <laughs> I'm such an asshole. Well, that's because like writers are obsessed yeah. with the writing world. Yes. And it is so opaque and it's so hard to get into. And to hear someone talk about it yeah. who like loves it and who has like a plat who right. built a platform on it. Like that yeah. means a lot yeah. to a writer. You get it. You get the whole thing. Our friends sure. get it. Yeah, because yeah, it's such a small insular <laughs> world, right? But it's the world I love. So I will say it's funny because you said platform and I now have realized, like, mostly I'm like, yeah, it's chill, whatever. I'm happy to, like, do whatever. I want to talk about your books. It's all going to be amazing. But I have discovered there's one thing about myself that I'm just like, don't ever fucking do this. (laughs) Sorry. So everybody will know now. Oh, God. I'm scared. (laughs) When people approach me in, like, a DM or whatever, and they're like, you have such a big platform. Why aren't you talking about this? I'm like, you know what? It's my fucking platform. I'm going to do what I want with it. Yeah. It is not your business yeah. to tell me how to use my platform. And I right. I don't get like, I don't have a temper. I don't get real angry. But the couple of times people have used like that logic with me, I have been like pissed. Like, I don't, you want to talk about that? Go build your own fucking platform. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like it's like when you do a breast cancer walk and someone's like, "Well, what about heart health?" And you're like, "Okay, I can't do everything." Right, I can't thing. do it. All. <laughs> like, right. and also, you're not like someone's dancing monkey. Like, yes, talk monkey, talk. Yeah, like, I'm not your opinion. Yeah, so a couple the couple yeah. of times that has happened, I have felt really like, you know, I don't actually like. I guess now I make money because of editing. We make very. Right, we make very little money on the podcast. I'm sure you know, right? Like, oh yeah, chunk we don't. Change. I mean, this podcast, we're it's, not trying it's, to make money. It's on this just, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. There's nothing to it. I mean, it was really literally yeah. like a labor of love, and so then I yes. was like, you know, my real job is teaching seven, thirteen-year-olds how to how to write and read. This I do for fun. So maybe you don't need to tell me anything about my platform because it is literally mine. You know what I think. I think you should take it as a compliment. I know. Because you, in their eyes, you have a big enough platform that they're now like, oh, well, you should be using it this I way. I know. If you're like a fucking nobody, nobody, nobody cares about your platform. Great. It is so much freedom to be like us and no one knows us. Like, our books aren't out yet. Nothing. We are like in right. the void just talking about whatever the fuck Ghosts. we want. <laughs> I, those were good days, you guys. Look, we'll we'll likely stay here forever, and that is okay. And I'm good with that. I mean, we'll grow, I yeah. hope, but, you know, we're not. It's just yeah. fun to do it. And like you said, it's a labor of love. Like, yes. that's what we did. Our whole thing was really, like, we just want to talk to, like, other writers and people in romance. Yeah, yeah. same, because it's the best. Well, I think there's so much of, like, the romance world, though, that's, like, very, like, social media is great, but it's also, like, a really big divider. Because yeah. so much of it is just kind of, like, overlooking at things and we're following things, but then, like, there's no actually... Right getting together and like 
communicate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so unfortunately, the, you know, the tool to use it is there, but I think a lot of writers and readers of romance just stick to the books, right. you know, and they don't really branch out. And so it's nice to have other ways to experience it. Yeah. I will say, and I'm sure maybe you've had the same experience. I don't know that I would have survived the pandemic without faded mates. Having that outlet and that world be bigger than my house was so important mm-hmm. to me. And I, um, it's, I remember at some point kind of being like, is this dumb? Are we being like assholes for like, talking about romance novels when it's a pandemic. But I really think at some point I was like, no, like this is important to me. Like we're allowed to still experience joy and have things that we love. Like it can't all be grim, dark all the time. Unless it is. Then <laughs> yes, it can. Beatrix is like, get out. She's so I am in the dark all the time, completely. But you know what? Because that's great, too. Like, I, there's something worse out there than whatever the bullshit we're experiencing. Right? <laughs> there's still love in the dark is what we learn. No, I think my husband says it all the time. He's like, there's nothing you can write that's darker yeah. than real life. And I was like, that's true. Like, there's it's shit true. that comes up. And I'm like, yeah, that's way darker than anything I've ever written. And it's to the point where you're kind of like... How are we, I mean, I I don't know. I think a lot about just like having kids and kind of like, what are we doing? Yes. <laughs> what are we doing? It's so scary. Yeah. Yes. Wait, I love to get to this deep moment in, in the podcast. We always reach this moment in the podcast where we, everyone stops and just thinks of the futility of life. Sure. It's all pointless. And then you're like, well, at least, but you know, so this is my, um, it, in my office, Pablo is the guy who's just next to me and at one point, like, we were sort of talking, and he's like, 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 why do we, are? why are we, like, alive? Like, right? Like, why are we here? <laughs> like, the existential nightmare. Pretty much, right? And yes. meanwhile, he's from Chile, and so there was, like, great news from Chile in this, like, recent election. I was, like, texting him at, like, 6 o'clock this morning, and I was like, it's so great to hear great news about someone else's country. Um, but you know what? I was like, you know, I just think we're here to, like, be the best we can for, like, the people we love. That's all you can do. And I think romance teaches people how to do that. Do you think the point of romance as a genre, including the subgenres, is it to validate the horrible existence that is the world and life? Or is it to provide pure escapism and the hope and joy that we wish we had? Hmm. I think it's both. Of course you're going to say both. <laughs> I know. I'm like... It, Look at me evading your trap. Boom. I guess here's what I would say. I think, like in both our monster romance and our dark romance episode, and we've talked about this a lot when we talk about like the very beginnings of the genre, right? When, you know, there's like heroes who like are raping the heroines or whatever, right? The male, and kind of like why this existed. Okay, so let me talk about dark romance for a minute because... I read, like, light, dark romance. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot, right. but it, there's, like, a, a limit for sure for me. And um, I was talking to my friend, Julie, and I was I was saying to her, I was like, you know what I really think is kind of cool about dark romance? I have not aired this publicly, I don't think. Because it, it, it feels like this is a half-formed thought, so probably someone could be like, you're an <laughs> asshole. Oh, fine, I'll take it. As I was like, in... In dark romance, oh, if it's a woman and a man, every man 
on page in a dark romance is like there's no gaslighting that's true they're they're they are rapists or they're murderers or they're you know criminals or whatever and they're none of them are trying to convince anybody that but they're anything but that and i was like there's something very amazing about that because in real life when i interact with a new man i'm constantly like what are you really right and so I think that there's like a, it makes total perfect sense to me, the appeal of like, okay, so now this is pure undistilled patriarchy. Mm-hmm. It's truth though. How are you going to live? It's truthful at least. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? There's no lies. There's no veneer of civilization over any of this. It's honest, but it's cruel, which I guess is comforting. Right. Honest, but cruel. The name of your next book. It's a good title. There you go. It's a good title, right? So part of me feels like romance is that. But I also feel like there are right. times when romance is just like, it's going to give me hope because people make, like, find a yeah. way, right? Under the hardest of right. circumstances, under the most difficult of situations, right? Where, like, there's no way these people are going to work it out. They figure out a way to work it out. And I, so I think it's both. I mean, I really believe that people are drawn to the subgenre that, like, kind of matches, like, the work that they're doing. Yes. Right? Often. Yes, I'm a dark cesspit <laughs> of just She's not. evil and grossness. A and... very good person. We've become very good friends. <laughs> I don't mean it that way. Don't mind. No, I right. genuinely would easily present that to the universe mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. If I'm a black hole. but also like how do we how do you deal with that and like what does it mean to be mm. fixated on these questions right I mean so I think that that's it everybody is just drawn to the thing that they are they're working through I mean and then that can change right yeah. I mean so that's why we I think like we've talked about like then the rise of like certain subgenres over time right so like we mm-hmm. were speculating on Faded Mates that, like, the rise of monster romance is essentially, like, like paranormal, but, like, kind of trying to erase all of the gender essentialism that's really baked in to that from, like, the very beginning. When you go back and read old, you know, t- t- 2005 paranormal, it's like, whoa, right? So, right? Or, like, you know, daddy, I'm kind of like, look, we're, like, in a national crisis. Oof. Like, can someone take care of us already? <laughs> we are in a daddy moment. Right? And so I – it. I'm also really interested in, like, thinking about, like, and sometimes it's just market, right? Like, you know, Christian Grey comes on the scene and it's BDSM books forever and now they're gone mostly. But I do, I think that part of it is, like, what are we working through either individually or, like, as a society? And romance is smarter than anything. And somehow I feel like the collective, whatever that is, finds a way, right? to like put it all on page and i think like sometimes like right now this big rom-com revolution there's part of me that thinks like you know our natural our like this national culture of you know how how are we going to deal with each other right how can we be kind and gentle with each other in these times of great crisis yeah and also to me maybe this is a crazy theory but we have like gen z your son is a gen z right he would be gen z Mm -hmm. coming up gen z is a, a funny 
generation. <laughs> they are memeing it. They are killing it on TikTok. I love to watch Gen Z do things. I, I like. I'm like a gener- I'm millennial. Amazing. We're both millennials, and it's like I like to look at the generation below me and be like, yes, yeah. like do the thing. Like I respect. Like right. I, I want to like steal your things and be the old person who's like trying to act young. That's a hundred percent me. And see, I'm Generation yes. X, and I'm just like I. <laughs> I admire you and you should do it and I don't need to do it, right? (laughs) Well, I'm not trying to do it publicly. Let's just be clear. I'm not putting my videos on TikTok. Not yet. (laughs) The year will be young again soon. But yeah, I think that like I see something in Gen Z that I feel like is starting to be reflected in society as a whole of like having this fucking weird sense of humor about yourself. It's like self-deprecating. Yeah. It's like a little bit off kilter. It's a little edgier. Yeah. It's definitely more like politically aware. And um, mm-hmm. I do see this in romance. I see this in my romance that I write. Like, yeah. I mean, I just wrote like a really weird high concept romance about the surveillance state essentially, but it was a rom-com. <laughs> so, and it was like a mystery clue style. This is why it's weird. And yeah, I'm working on that one. But my other rom-com is just workplace. And, but that was yeah. like a year ago. A right, whole, I'm right. in a whole different place. And I feel like what I was writing and reading was in a whole different place. Well, and I think that's the other thing. Like anybody, any books that are coming out right now are pandemic books. Yeah. We're going through some yes. things. And I think romance is going to, yeah. it, that's going to reveal itself. Both in the reader who is like, I can't finish things, but also in writers, right? Who, you know, I mean, I really do believe a lot of sort of like no conflict, low conflict books right now are just like, we're like, we have enough. Just let's read about nice people falling in love and it'll be great. <laughs> but at the, on the other hand, you have like the rise of dark romance, which is all stakes, mm-hmm. right? And I think that yeah. people need, again, it's like kind of like what is going to feed you. It's life or death. It gets really heavy. I think it's fascinating just because it is super reflective. Even against, yes, what societally is happening. You notice nowadays other bleed throughs, especially with mm-hmm. diversity and non-normative relationships right. or, you know, mainstream coupling and all sorts of mixtures of identities and whatnots are coming through a lot more now than I have yeah. ever seen it ever. It's great. I do think that's partially, yes, because of the society we are in now, but also because of the indie industry, which I'm kind of curious to know your thoughts on Okay, where our opposite, because I'm indie and she's traditional. <laughs> I think we're lucky in romance to have a really strong, like, like two strong, right? Like sort of like threads feeding the river of romance. For all us hungry, hungry hippos, just reading and reading. I'm, like, trying right. to make, like, some big metaphor, right? The Mississippi is romance and, like, two big tributaries. Tributaries. That's the word I'm there looking for. Yeah. Here's what I, I think. I think that what indie or self-published romance is doing really well right now is basically, like, blowing out the boundaries. Yes. Agreed. Right? Like, taking risks. Just throwing it out there. Being way more, yeah. like, you know, you can just do it so much faster. Mm-hmm. That was, we talked about that right? before, yeah. Yeah. Like, boom, I can write my pandemic romance in six weeks and people are going to like it or not, but I can do it. And so I think, like, Mm. that's, like, the real advantage. Um, I think what I really worry about, it, like, literally, literally spend my time worrying about is, like, the pace that indie writers are expected to be working at is, that's, cannot be sustained. Right? If you were a reader who was like, I need six books a year or ten books a year for my favorite authors, your favorite author has a two-year shelf life This is right. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I really worry about that. And, you know, I can't fix it, but I do worry about it. 
Because it's a skewed demand. There's not like, you don't expect that at a traditional writer's office because they're beholden to the publishing, you know, industry that they're with, you know, whereas self-published authors, yeah, they're like, oh, well, you can do it, so do it. You have authors like Katie Roberts, who fast, right. is phenomenally fast in how she produces. But even she's talked about, you know, the the stress and the burden of that. Another one that I follow is Scarlett mm-hmm. St. Clair, who does like the Touch yeah. of Darkness series. And she released her newest book with such a quick turnaround, even though she did end up going traditional with it, that she ended up developing carpal tunnel and like, you know, all sorts of like health problems. It's not just like mental stress, but it's physical stress on indie writers. And there's such an unfair sort of expectation. It's brutal. And I think here's the other thing. And I'll, I'll say this. There's no way to say it without sounding like an asshole. But now that I edit I will also tell you sometimes I read these books and I think it could have used another pass. Like what happened here? It's yeah. a great start, but it, and you can see that a great book is in there, mm-hmm. but because of the speed that, you know, whatever it was that made them be like, okay, I just got to move this through the pipeline and get it out there. And I think that's mm-hmm. got to be hard too, because it's got to feel like this terrible, like, you know, choice between like, okay, keeping the audience mm. I have now or potentially, I guess, thinking about my career. What's, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, what's it going to mean for me if, will I have a career or am I just going to be one of these people who comes and goes? I mean, that's the other thing. When you've been reading romance a long time, blink of an eye. Man, there are people who, God, they were so big and now they, where are they? So it's like, what is yeah. your goal as a writer is it to just like be around for a year or two and or is it really like okay I think I have something to say and I I want to be in it for the long term and these are terrible choices I really don't I I really feel for people but there I'm going to be honest with you sometimes I read books where I'm like this book would have been better if you'd had an editor and you'd had some and you were able to stick it in a drawer for three weeks Mm -hmm. (laughs) even priceless to do that and it is priceless. Like, literally, these are people who I'm sure are like, I can't afford yeah. to do that. I have to pay yeah. my bills. So I get it. But yeah. I do really worry about, I worry about that. for it, Not for the genre, but for those authors. Like, that just seems so punishing. This is the time in the podcast yeah. where we talk about how capitalism is bad. And that is an example yes. of it. <laughs> because yes. Here we are. Circles around. It also shows you mm-hmm. how um, capitalism dampens and perverts art that we make and same with gatekeepers they do the same thing so on either end of it whether you're an indie author or you're somebody working through like the gods of publishing or whatever one way or another your art is getting fucked well and if we're gonna be honest (laughs) here i am Sarah's not around to temper me. No, I'm kidding. I don't think folks at traditional publishing are getting the editing they deserve either. Mm, interesting. Right? I I have read books where I've been like, this needed another pass. <laughs> or a, pa- a pass, mm-hmm. right? And and so I think that, like, because I think the traditional publishing clearly feels pressure to speed up that timeline sure. as well. Yeah. Right? And so, you know, I really think that this is not, you know, the... I actually am so glad you used the word art Mm. because I feel like there's often this like default. I read this great thread on Twitter. I have no idea who it was who was like, stop calling your art content. Seriously. Right. Stop calling your art content. And that's the thing. It's like, if the, if it's just content, I've got to push out content, then you lose sight of, okay, wait, is this the best story I can tell? And so I think that this 
the that rushing is having an impact on the books totally and and also as a writer who has like been in the trenches and like is nobody in the writing world it's like so psychologically torturous to sit through the whole process like of getting you know like selling your book of promoting yourself writing something that you think people are going to accept like being perceived yeah the thing though that i like truly believe in my heart of hearts though is that Okay, if you're really hooked into the system, you know what books are self-published and which books are not. Yep, yep. But I yep. do not think that 98% of romance readers care. I think they are like, I like this author, I like this book, I like this cover, I like this yep, price. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> You know, I can wait. If that book looks okay, but I'm not going to spend this much, I'm going to wait. You know, and that's that's, I think, the part where... In terms of, like, how the books are made, that's something, like, that's inside baseball we're all interested in. But I think your your average romance reader would be like, wait, I don't, what's the difference between these? I wouldn't know. I wouldn't notice. Yeah. Right? I wouldn't notice that Katie Robert is sometimes self-published and sometimes not. Because that's the other thing. So many authors are bridging it and doing both. Hybrid. Yeah, the bleed through is good. But I you know, I do think a lot of it also ties back into the again, the benefit of social media being something that pushes things forward is also something that completely has yeah. swamped the sort of whole creative yeah. process because now there's a there's not just competition for traditional uh, authors to go and get into a publishing house. It's competition against indie authors who are also Mm -hmm. posting constantly. You know, it's competition to create a brand, which is now what you have to do. You can't just be a writer focusing on the craft, on the story. You have to create a brand. I mean, that's the thing. Like, any romance writer, I don't care if you're self-published or not, is essentially, like, in charge of managing that for themselves and finding Mm -hmm. readers and finding... You know, I mean, there's a part of me that is, like, hyper aware of the fact that if I tweet about a book I like, there's a lot of power behind that. A tastemaker. Yeah, and that's, like, a weird feeling because I can't read them all, right? So I feel so guilty. But then sometimes I'm like, I just want to read for me, you know? Which, by the way, reviewing, the work of reviewing, I... So fun for me. Can we ask about that? Can we ask about reviewing? Yeah, sure. You, I've mentioned I'm a teacher, and I, a couple of years ago, no, maybe longer, probably 10 years ago. Who knows? Time has no meaning. No. Nope. One of my yeah. students, his dad, uh, was a movie critic for the Chicago Sun-Times, still is. Michael Phillips is his name, and um, the yes. reviewer. And he, you know, I came and talked to the kids. And I was like, come talk to the kids about writing movie I'm reviews, so whatever. That's so cool. Yeah, it was awesome. And it was it was a long time ago because I think that kid is now in mm-hmm. college. Okay. So anyway, I, you know, and I mean, I learned stuff too. It's really fun. I've had, a, I mean, I've been lucky to have, see some really amazing people talk about their work. Also, I live in Chicago. You know how it's a long time ago is the fact that they came in person and they just didn't do a Zoom call. Well, that it was, I was thinking too. It wasn't on Zoom, right? Like this is a person who like made time out of their day. Like that's the thing that's really cool now because. You get anyone. Even in person school, you're like, I can Zoom with anybody mm-hmm. now. So anyway, Michael Phillips was talking about book about movie reviewing and he said this thing and I like every synapse in my brain fired. And this was before this was before I ever started reviewing, by the way. 
And he was like, so when I'm reviewing a movie, and he's talking to kids, it's Pearls Before Swine. He was like, there's three things I really think about. So it was like, what is the work trying to achieve? Did it achieve it? And then was it worth achieving? Perfect questions. And I was like, these are, in fact, perfect <laughs> questions. So yeah. a couple years passed, and then um, I started reviewing for the book queen um, on her blog. And it was like, she was just like, I, I was a, you know, I had 23 Twitter followers. And she was like, I'm looking for reviewers. And I was like, I was looking, my son, I think, had was going to high school maybe and I was just kind of like I need a new challenge I'm putting all this effort in at work but I need something for me and I what do I love books and I was like well maybe I should review why I know because that's like school right so I'm going to review romance that Mm -hmm. way it can never be about school because you know romance is still romance to everyone else and this and I found myself really thinking about those three questions and so I think and the reason these questions are really important when you're reviewing is this question of like you're judging the book not on what you think it should be but on what it is trying to be right Right. so i cannot roll into a dark romance review and be like i don't know there's too much killing look motherfucker it is built into the system right now that doesn't mean you can't talk about what it's doing like i reviewed i a couple years ago i read a lot of the rita books because i was like are these books even any good Right here they are, the Rita nominees or finalists, are they even any good? And so I read one Amish romance because I was like, I should stop shitting all over this genre and give it a shot. And very quickly I was like, this isn't what I said about it. I was like, this isn't like an Amish romance. This is like Colonial Williamsburg, right? This is not actually trying to, right? Like this this is like Leave it to Beaver. This is really not okay. So then I really was critiquing, though, like what it was trying to do, I think. So I I really think that those questions are always guide me. I still review for Kirkus, but now that I'm editing, I and I I then I sort of stopped reviewing for people. And you know, on the podcast, we mostly mm-hmm. just talk about books mm-hmm. we like. I will tell you, um, you can write a review, or you can write a negative review, but if you negatively talk about a book on the podcast, you just sound like mm-hmm. an asshole. It is very difficult to verbally do that without just sounding mean. And so then then every once in a while I would like review on Goodreads where I'd really just like lay it out. But I've even kind of stopped doing that because it feels like if I'm going to be an editor, I can't really be a public reviewer anymore. Mm -hmm. So I am a little sad about losing that, but I just do it in my heart. Okay, but yeah. like those are good points for like yeah. a public review. But secretly, what do you on a personal level? Yeah. Like in your what do head. I, yeah. On the books that just your own yeah. opinion. What makes a good book a good romance? I think really compelling characters is like the hallmark of every good romance. Yep. Because the mm. truth is like we joke on Faded Mace all the time about like romance reasons romance readers do not care about plot if the characters are are hopping right true but i think that what people neglect to understand is that so for me when i think about like books that haven't worked it's like um okay so maybe the romance is good between your your characters your main characters your love interests but there still has to be coherence 
in how those characters interact with the rest of the mm-hmm. world. And that is right. sometimes something that will really, like, I think, catch people up. Where I'm like, what the fuck are they doing? <laughs> they wouldn't do this. <laughs> right? You know, you told me X, Y, Z thing about them. And now, just because this is all out the window. And I, so I think if you're going to build a good romance, those characters have to be coherent. Not just with their love interest, but, like, in every interaction. And I think what I find myself right. feeling really frustrated with then, with my back to like some of these books need another pass, is, you know, in the last third, you can really see the author, like, they're like Barbie dolls, right? Moving yep. them around. And you're like, that's not how that character would have acted. You set them up to mm-hmm. be different. Mm-hmm. And now, because you don't know how to get them out of the jam they're in or whatever. And that, to me, is... Um, a sign of something that has gone wrong it's a writer conundrum say. right there of course and i'm sorry for you <laughs> thank you, you need yeah. consistency. <laughs> i'm so sorry for you wasted reading time everybody that's what yeah. you're doing why are we doing <laughs> i mean because you have that in you and like thank god right your teacher energy is making me want to be the best student in class right now you're like taking notes you're like consistency compelling character okay what's up What's a personal no-go, though, for you when you're reading a book, yeah. uh, a romance? What's a no-go for just you, your own interest? Like, I'm just going to DNF it. Immediate no-go. I'm trying to think about the ones that I have immediately. Okay. I think that there are authors who take, like, shortcuts with, like, okay. You know, like, remember how everyone loves Friends mm-hmm. now, still? Mm-hmm. But when you, like, sit down and watch it again, you're like, this shit's so homophobic. And it's so mean. Yep. It's so yes. mean. Friends is so mean. It's incredibly mean. A lot of gay panic, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. And fat phobia. You name it, right? Totally. Real bad. Yes. And I think that there is a, there must be a, a group of romance writers who learned, like, humor at the foot of the 90s sitcom. Yep. And it is mean. And I will, I will read about imperfect characters I won't really read mean characters. And I have DNF books on the first page when a character like, and you know that you can tell that the author thinks they're writing like sizzling banter. Edgy, funny. Mm. And you're like, no, that's just me. I gotta, I gotta ask though. And Kat's going to kill me. I don't believe in happily ever afters. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I know you do. Like a yeah. good H-E-A. And most romance does. I'm just, I'm, I am I want to hear your pitch for it. Because nobody, like, Kat believes in it 100%. And I believe in it in certain romance books. I'm going to ask some questions. So when you say that, do you mean, like, I get to the end of the books and I think that's just, they're not going to end up to, like, it's, I can see the way this isn't going to work out? Basically, whatever romance was going on doesn't end with them actually together. Okay, can I ask you another question before I answer? Mm-hmm. Are there what are the books though where you did believe it? Are there any where you're like I buy it? I'm I'm okay. I will preface this. I hate <laughs> reading. Listen, we can't be friends. This is where you're like, wasted reading time. She reads a ton and she <laughs> enjoys hating I things. I read a ton and I hate every book. <laughs> I feel that. Yeah, I we feel all that. kind of feel it. I think to some degree. I feel that. Yeah. I'm just yeah. very honest about it that like I genuinely I love the act of hating books. It's just it's no. a strange masochistic journey I like to take. I, I mean I will I understand it's 
its uh, role mm-hmm. in a lot of romance. But I just feel like it's overused in romance. I feel like it's unrealistic. Like, there's... Okay, here's what okay. the here's my problem with happily ever afters is a broad stroke. It must have yeah. this or it does not qualify as a romance. I'm like, not all romances end happily. But does that negate the fact that it was a romance? No, because the romance is the development of a relationship. Yeah, I guess what I would say though is like what you're talking about is like this is I think the confusion comes from this like word that gets used in multiple ways right like Mm. capital r romance is a genre just like capital t thriller or mystery right and like if Mm. you are reading for like that genre you have a certain set of things that you expect to happen right so in a romance genre i need happily ever after because that's like the promise of like this genre that's what i'm gonna get right but what you're Mm -hmm. saying is but like romance as a thing people experience in the world is not the same as that right okay i see where you're coming from and i know that's complicated here's what i say because i for example i'm a big fan of the third act breakup and i know people like now are like oh no it's so terrible Mm -hmm. and boring and i hate it i I did it it. in mine (laughs) here's why i love it here's why because to me like the real happily ever after is that people have decided to try and make it work they have committed Mm. to it as a project that they're undertaking however many people there are, right? We are committed to this project of making it work. And that is, okay, going back to like my parents were divorced, right? I watch people decide to walk away from that. And Mm. I, they think they did the right thing. (laughs) I'm like, not a person who's like my parents. Oh, too bad. No, listen, it was bad and they needed to leave. But I think that's why when people talk about the, for me, And most of the time I believe it because where I'm like left is like, these are people who have, despite all obstacles, despite their own fears and insecurities, despite whatever, have decided to try and make a life together to be a family, not meaning kids, but like they themselves. Right. And that to me is when I think about the heavily rafter, I think about that, that decision, because I think anybody right. who's been in any kind of long-term relationship with anybody, your parents, <laughs> whether you decided on it or not, your friends, a loved one, a, like a spouse or whatever, at some point we all know it's just waking up every morning and deciding, I'm going to look past that bullshit and stick it out. I'm going to yeah. let you breathe. I think right? that's really, yeah. You're, I will let your yeah. breathing annoy me. So that to me is why romance as a genre, when when they say H-E-A, I just want to believe that they really mean they're going to try. And sometimes you're right. I've read books where I'm like, no fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> right? But usually that goes back to character where I haven't seen at that moment, I have not seen any mm-hmm. proof that one of them really means it. That's when I doubt it makes yeah. that decision right or mm-hmm. like all along you right they didn't make that decision and mm-hmm. at the end they're like oh yeah i'm in are you though because i would have seen some sort of ramp up right storytelling so i don't know if that yeah i don't i think tell. it was a damn good argument but i'm biased <laughs> right. i don't know that's no that was that's a really good that's a really yeah. good point <laughs> I don't know if she means it. No, it generally yeah. is. No, I I agree that if if you do an H E A, it has to be compelling. It has to be 
uh, there has to be a legitimacy to the decision that's made. Like you said, like they have to, it's a, it's a commitment, right? It's not just like, oh, we've, we've finally talked to each other and the communication trope is over and now we're just going to, we're perfect and happy forever and we'll have it. <laughs> right. That's like, not we, how any of that works. One of, it's interesting because the word, when I'm editing, the word I use to describe that it, if it's not there is unearned. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is an unearned HEA. Right. This is an unearned I love you. This is an unearned mm-hmm. moment because readers really need to believe. They it feel it needs to feel earned because we know we know right. any again this isn't even about like a romantic relationship now. If you have a relationship with another human, you know how hard that work okay. is. And so in a romance, I think what people need to see is that it's earned. Right. That we really as readers are you're showing me that these people have decided and there's a lot of evidence to back up that decision. And so that to me is really beautiful. And I do believe in that. I believe in that. And and people in real life who like then are like, I can't wake up every morning and do it anymore. They're making the right decision for themselves. I'm not saying people should stay together forever, but I want to see in a romance novel. I want to see um so i know we're getting late do you if you have more time do do we want to do rapid fire i think we should do the rapid fire do rapid fire yes and then i'll be yes that's usually how we close out and this has been so sorry this has been forever okay good i'm glad i'm like two hours later you're like no oh my god well i've like been listening to you for so long it's amazing to hear you in person been really fun no it's been super fun and i hope you'll both send me your books when they're ready obviously Beatrix, a good reason for you to hurry up. You might have to wait <laughs> 3,000 years. She keeps rewriting it. I write, we are opposites in all ways. Yeah. I am telling her to finish, though. Finish. I'm going to need you to finish that book. Especially because I, I, I cr- am a critique partner. I might now. Yeah, I might there you now. go, Jen. That's, you're the right, motivator. See? There you go. You're a good teacher. You motivated Just the unmotivatable. Yeah. Just get it done. You can't write the next book until you finish this one. <laughs> I should tell you, my next book is going to be a zombie room. Yes, I like those. I've only read a couple of them, so, but I think they're good. Full on zombie king. Just this idea came zombie. from the podcast, yep. I think. Yeah. It did come from the podcast. Yeah. It was like, right? It was like, what, what did you tell me? The prompt was, right? Yeah, you were like, write a sexy monster. And I was all like, immediately, I was like, zombie. <laughs> I just, the concept is great. I do think it sounds amazing. Look, anything that likes brains that much can't be all that bad. <laughs> that is. <laughs> right oh i love that beautiful symbolism right there it never occurred to me never once zombies believe in science everybody zombies are like i like a smart person their brains are delicious okay rapid fire me up let's do it rapid fire okay ready all right i'll I'll run through them okay so uh first one read as many romance books you like but are never satisfied or read only one romance book a year Oh, God. Jesus fucking Christ. Do I get to reread the one I loved? Or I just get to read one? I think you can reread. Yes. Okay. I I guess I'd probably choose that then. I'm a rereader, so that'd be fine. Okay. Easy. Read a book that is missing every other chapter or read a book that's missing the last third. God. Do I get the last chapter if I skip the every other chapter or is the last chapter missing? A crapshoot. Hmm. It's a risk. Maybe either or. Well, yeah. I guess I would say, look, I know how it's going to end, so I guess I just missed the last third. Yep. Fine. Sure enough. Okay. Right. <laughs> oh, 
read only smut that's not dirty enough or read only smut that's too dirty for you, i.e. too kinky. Nothing's too dirty for me. <laughs> that's just... perfect. Easy one for that's everyone. <laughs> Thanks. Everyone. I think everybody has said You're that. Like, what? <laughs> it's a throwaway. Um, listen to a smutty audiobook out loud in public, or you have to read the smuttiest passage of any book to a member of your family. Oh, God. That's <laughs> awful. That's a terrible choice. I guess I would read read it out loud to my family. Okay. Which which book do you think? <laughs> Let's you would say it's got to be a certain level of dirty too. Yeah, it's got to be whatever was in the previous one. I don't know. Like <laughs> we're talking about Kay, high heat. whatever that KU, you know, a what Katie I mean? Roberts. Like, yeah, just yes, yes. you know that business. <laughs> okay, you're like daddy, uh, daddy kink. Okay. Oh no, oh no. Eve Dangerfield. Oh, it's rough, That's rough. <laughs> I feel like I've made a mistake with that answer, but we're gonna move along. Okay, that was my answer too. For I feel you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely I didn't want not. to traumatize you guys. I w- if I'm driving and listening to an audiobook in my car, I will have to like roll the windows up when it gets. I'm like, people are gonna be like, "What is she listening uh, to?" Been there. Okay, this is this is a popular one. It's a pick your mytholog- mythological half human, a minotaur, a centaur, a mermaid, or a fawn. Hmm. Hmm. Say them again. Minotaur. Yeah. So that's like sure. the bull hmm. face. Right, the centaur, which is I the guess, half human, half yeah. horse, merfolk, mermaids, or a fawn, merfolk. I like yep. to swim. I like to swim. Fine, that is. I will say Ellie Mae chose all of them. God bless. <laughs> I was yes. like too much tongue on a minotaur. Oh man, I don't like hooves. Okay, yeah, I like to swim. Mer- merfolk. Okay. Perfect. This one's a bit easier. Pick your mythological god. Hades, Apollo, Persephone, or Hera? Apollo. I'm bored with Hades. I'm sorry. I'm bored with Hades, but you know what? I'm not bored all of a sudden because Madeline Miller, who wrote Circe. Have you guys read that? No. Have you read Circe no, by Madeline Miller? No, it's like Miller? a mythological oh, sh- good one. Yeah. Yes. Song. I mean, but it's not romance. It's like she's like has a PhD in classics. She wrote Song of Achilles oh, okay. and Circe. They are amazing. Yeah. Oh right! She just announced yeah. on Instagram that she's going to be writing Persephone, and now I'm kind of now I'm kind of interested. You had my interest. Now you have my attention. Madeline Miller is going to do it. Okay, I'm interested. Wait, but you chose okay. Apollo, not Persephone. Yeah, I did. You know what? Because I feel like hmm. the perfect ones are real sometimes real dirty. No one's given that, that argument, right? and it's usually Hades. You're right. We're all picking Hades, so. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. I mean, look, he smells like garbage. I'm sorry. He lives underground. He's like Oscar. He lives underground. <laughs> Why on earth? Apollo is, yeah, no, listen. Apollo smells look. like sunshine. Fair enough. Right? He would. Literally. Yeah. Okay. Blue skies. Sunshine That's and right. Wind. That's okay. right. I'm sorry. I'm. That was a new take. Yes, Thank that's you. That's how I feel. You're welcome. Uh, which is hotter, a tattoo or a scar? Tattoo. Stuck with one trope, faded mates or childhood sweethearts. Faded mates, look. Brand. My brand is strong. <laughs> I mean, we right. knew that from we knew that from the get-go. Um, you can only pick one. So read Fade to Black Romance in your favorite subgenre or read High Heat in your least favorite subgenre. So some Amish romance. Some copaganda, maybe? God, that's... Yeah. I, I would... I'm going to read High Heat. I'm sorry. High Heat, okay. Yeah, sorry. High Heat. I'm not even sad. I can mentally change that. I'll be like, he's not a cop. He's a yeah, fireman and do fine. Good point. 
Okay, a uh, hotter character trope. A moody crime lord or a playboy millionaire. Moody crime lord. 100% moody crime lord. 100%. Uh, 100%. 100%. What about a hot anti-hero or a hot dom? Anti-hero. Again, 100%. 100%. Yeah. See? You chose dom, by the way, last time. <laughs> it was hard, though. It was hard. I think yeah. I did because we read priest. Yeah. This one is the other uh, tricky one. It's a pick a supernatural, a vampire, a werewolf, alien, or dragon shifter. Hmm. Vampire. It's a classic for a reason. True. The classic. Yeah. It's good. That's true. Uh, Read an amazing book by an author who's objectively bad as a person or read a book that's mediocre by an author you love. I mean, I want to hang out with the person, right? (laughs) No. I don't care. Yeah. Give me a good book. I'm no hero. Like, just want the story. Oomst amongst us. That's right. Look. Uh, a slow burn with amazing smut, but it takes forever to get to. Like, forever. Or a fast burn with smut that's okay. Just like I that. never read a slow yes. burn if I can avoid yes. it. Yes. Sorry. Yes. I'm sorry. Absolutely if it's a slow not. burn, how good can it be? <laughs> how hot can it really before. be? You're like, oh. Thank you. You're like, oh, at 93%, something Too happened. late. Mm. Too little, too late. Too, too late. late. Too late. In my first chapter, I remember Kat even said it when she was rereading, like, my new draft. She's like, I forgot how fast this got dirty. I love it. That's what I want. But you know what, you guys, if you go back and read, like, contemporary romance from 2006, they are getting busy in chapter three. Right? right. What What is Did this I world busy in? in chapter three? I yeah. Hey! Hey! <laughs> Okay. Uh, oh, slightly different, yes. but along the same lines. A book with a amazing sex scenes, but the plot is just okay. Or an amazing plot with okay sex scenes. I think I would choose amazing. Wait, is it amazing characters or amazing plot? Plot and characters. Okay. Mm-hmm. Amazing characters and plot and okay sex scenes. It is really important to me. Last yeah. one. This is easy fun. Cover okay. style. Black and white man, like, without a shirt, all of very dark romancy vibes. Or a, like, trendy cartoon rom-com. <laughs> Give me that. Give me that man's abs. I'm fine. Just glistening. I don't understand that why. You know what? I'm glad that Barnes & Noble will put it out on the yeah. table. But that's in, that's important. <laughs> Rom-coms. <laughs> you know what? I... Like, cover trends come and go, and this is where yeah. we are right now. So that's yeah. fine. We accept, right? Of course. We, we accept the things we cannot exactly. change. <laughs> that's Oh, exactly. my God, Jen. This has right. been fucking cool. You have been so smart. We've had such a great time. Um, so fun. So, so fun. I guess that's like, you know, an hour and 48 minutes in. I feel like you yeah. really gave us yeah. a lot. Well, I'm glad. Thank you. It was so fun for me. Thank you for letting me just come on and chitter. Whenever you like. Come. Whenever you feel like your platform is like just too much. Just come to, yeah. come to Secretly. this Secretly. Don't this tell is... anyone. There we go. Please, listen, invite me back. And I would be happy to come back. This is oh, super awesome. fun for me. Awesome. Well, everybody check out Jen, Faded Mates. You know who she is. Jen Reads Romance. Jen broke up with the Kirkus Review. And also editing services, yes. which I think is yes. great. Um, because, look, man. Call me to brainstorm. Yes. <laughs> Apparently, that's worth it money. To when I tell you. you it is, it is. It Believe me, it for sure is. Um, and I think, so that's it. You're going to be our first episode in season two. And you're on the heels of mm. Ellie Mae McGregor. For our so, holiday special. So fun. In, so in fun. the Hall of Greats, truly. Oh, yeah. All of us here. 
Thank you for having me. It was All so right. fun. Thank you so much. And have a very good night. You have my phone number now. You need to text me. Yeah, listen, we're friends now. That was a deep mis- That was a yes. mistake. You're going to regret this for Text. <laughs> No, you're not. Text me your hate reads. That's what we're all about here. I remember someone so bright then. I was really trying not to cry then. I was really hugging you goodbye then. You can have my MP3 when I'm dead. Play the shit and listen to what I said.